Tommy slash Stubbins is what they call him, which I just thought was so funny. Like I, I get that's what his actual name was. And I didn't know that at first, but when I was watching the movie, I'm like, Stubbins? Who names their kids Stubbins? What an awful wait, like thing to go by. If that was my last name, I'd be like, please don't ever call me that. Ever. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. So what is it? Week nine, week 10 of being quarantined? (laughs) It feels like the last day I remember we worked in the office was right before St. Patrick's Day. So I think it's week nine. Oof. That's such a long time ago. I know. (laughs) It feels like a lifetime has gone by in just the past couple of months, but we're here. We are going to talk to you about um, actually a movie that came out earlier this year um that is available for rent it's unfortunately not available for um on any like streaming platforms yet but pretty much anywhere that you can rent a a movie you will find this one um we're talking about doolittle not dr doolittle um which uh of course came out in 1998 with eddie murphy uh we're talking about um i wouldn't even say it's a remake because it's 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 a different story um but it is so i knew about the film the original film that came out in the 60s, but I didn't realize that this whole franchise, I guess, is based on three films that came out in the 20s. Um, the first being, um, uh, oh shoot, I didn't write down the names. Um, the first one coming out in 1920, the third coming out in 1924. This film in particular is actually based on the second book, which came out in 1922, The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle. So um, a lot of inspiration came from that book to make this film. Um, the 1998 Eddie Murphy version is very, very loosely based on the series. I feel like this film, as I did a little bit more research, actually um, is closer to the book, but definitely not. It, it's also a loose adaptation. There's a lot of the same characters, similar storyline. Um, like when I was watching this, there are a lot of characters that I was like, who is this? But they're actually based on characters in the book. So that's pretty interesting. Um, again, like I said, it uh, was released in January of this year. It is available for rent. Uh, it's a Universal Pictures film. For some reason, I thought it was Disney, but it's not. Um, it's 101 minutes long, so just a little bit over an hour and 40 minutes. Um, it had a budget of $175 million, just a production budget, and it grossed only $223 million. It was a box office bomb. Ouch. Um, but I have some fun information about the film making of some of the people involved. Um, but first, let's get to the cast. So actually, a pretty star-studded cast for this film, primarily voice actors. Um, but of course, we have Robert Downey Jr. as John Doolittle, our doctor who can talk to animals, um, and um, Antonia Banderas, who I kind of thought was unrecognizable in this movie. Um yeah. He plays um, King uh, Rasuli, who is King of the Pirates, who was um, Willie, who is uh, Doolittle's 
deceased wife, uh, her father and his father-in-law. He really doesn't look anything like himself in this movie. Also, I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. I know, but you know what? I just kept hearing Puss in Boots when he would talk. (laughs) Like, that's who he is to me now. Like, I understand he is, you know, a wide repertoire of films, but I just, I just see that little orange cat when I hear his voice. So cute. Um, Michael Sheen plays Dr. Blair Moodfly, who is an old schoolmate and a rival of Dr. Doolittle. Um, and then we have a ton of big names for the voice actors. So we have Emma Thompson as um, the voice of Polynesia, the parrot, who's kind of like, like the voice of reason. Um, um, Rami Malek as Chi-Chi, who is a very timid gorilla, which I didn't recognize his voice at all. I didn't like, either, which is really surprising because he's got a pretty recognizable voice. I was really surprised looking at this whole voice cast list because I really didn't recognize like almost anybody. Same. Like I recognized Emma Thompson right away, but everyone else, I was like, wait, who? And Craig Robinson, who plays uh, the squirrel. Um, um, But other than that, you know, I didn't know anybody until I actually looked it up. And then when I was like, after I knew and I was re-listening to some of the voices, I was like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Same. Um, Like I didn't, Oh, you're going to say probably Tom Holland, which I feel like I should have recognized, but I didn't until after I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, okay. He doesn't have like a super character voice though. Yeah. His, I don't know that maybe that's just personal opinion, but um, yeah, Tom Holland plays Jip, who is um, Dr. Doolittle's dog, um, who's him and um, Polynesia and Chi Chi are actually, and Dab Dab the Duck, who is Octavia Spencer, are actually all based on characters from the original book series, which is cool. Um, and also the um, young boy who plays, um, oh God, what is his name? Stubbins, Thomas Stubbins. He's a real character too um, in the original book series. Um, John Cena is in this. He plays Yoshi the polar bear. Um, oh my gosh. I cannot. Kum, do you know how to pronounce this guy's name? Kumail Nanjiani. So sorry. Um, he's like a like a comedian, an actor. Um, he plays Plimpton the ostrich. Octavia Spencer, like I said, plays Dab Dab the duck. Um, Tom Holland is Jip. Craig Robinson is Kevin the squirrel. And um, Ralph Fiennes, a.k.a. Lord Voldemort, plays Barry the tiger. There's a couple other small um, characters like... Uh, Selena Gomez is the giraffe. Um, Will Arnett plays this like hair, this like mean rabbit. Um, he has a really, really small role, but yeah, big names in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, primarily voice actors, but of course we have Robert Downey Jr. as our lead. I think so, that like Will Arnett and Ralph Fiennes have such recognizable, recognizable voices and I still didn't get it right away. I could tell Will Arnett right away, but only because, again, I looked at the list of actors ahead of time. And then when I got to that character, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Will Arnett. It makes he sense. Has a very recognizable voice. I love him. He's, he's wonderful. So funny. Um, let's get to it. So um, the plot of this film. So it takes place in early Victorian era Britain. Um, Dr. John Doolittle is a Welsh vet, and he, of course as we know, has the ability to talk to animals. He and his wife worked together on a sanctuary where people came with their animals who were in need, um, spent many years doing that. And on a voyage, she uh, was killed at sea. And the only thing, um, she actually left behind her ring to Polly, who brought it back to uh, Dr. Doolittle. That's the only thing he has of her is uh, her wedding ring. 
And because of her death, he becomes a recluse. He avoids all contact with other people and he only talks to his animals and he becomes super rugged looking. He just looks like a Neanderthal. Um, but one day a boy named Tommy Stubbins is out hunting with his family. And this whole scene was just kind of sad. Uh, his, his family seems like they're, you know, more kind of like, I don't know, rough around the edges. They're out hunting ducks and uh, I guess he has a really hard time hunting. Like he can't really shoot the animals. Like he just doesn't feel right about it. And when he purposely misses shooting a duck, he actually shoots a squirrel and um, he wants to save its life. And he goes running through the woods and that's when he finds the the sanctuary um, for Dr. Doolittle. And that's when they meet um, and he sees him kind of chirping away at the animals. And throughout the film, actually um, Stubbins kind of, also picks up on how to talk to animals too, which is interesting because again, you know, I want to compare this to the, to the nineties Eddie Murphy version because, you know, I'm a nineties kid and that's what I grew up watching. Um, and in that movie, they don't do any of that. In this one, they actually do kind of show him like chirping and grunting and like making ape sounds and pretty interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, meanwhile, the Queen of England is gravely ill. So she sends Lady Rose to Doolittle's sanctuary with a message to try to help her uh, cure her of whatever is ailing her. Also, um, to note, if she dies, she's the reason that he still has the sanctuary. And if she dies, then he loses his home. He loses all of his animals. So there actually is something in it for Doolittle to, to help her out. He at first refuses. He doesn't want to leave his home, but Polly persuades him to go. Um, so Tommy slash Stubbins is what they call him, which I just thought was so funny. Like I, I get that that's what his actual name was. And I didn't know that at first, but when I was watching the movie, I'm like, Stubbins? Who names their kids Stubbins? What an awful wait, like thing to go by. If that was my last name, I'd be like, please don't ever call me that. Ever. That is not my name. I don't have a last name. I just like Prince. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Stubbins wants to tag along and Doolittle reluctantly lets him go. So upon reaching the queen, um, he finds out that she's been poisoned by a type of nightshade that was added to her tea and to be cured, she must eat one of the magical fruits of Eden, which he's never been to the Island. He doesn't even know what the tree looks like. And it's even rumored that it is not even real. So, uh, it's a pretty pretty impossible quest, but, um, they decide to, to go out on the quest and, um, Tommy Doolittle and his crew of animals are put to sail to find the cure. Um, Jip, the dog, he stays behind as well as sticks, um, a walking stick, um, stays behind to keep an eye on the queen. And, (laughs) And, uh, um, during all of this, um, they are also trying to escape Doolittle's lifelong rival, Dr. Vlair, a mudfly who I guess again they were like rivals in school and um, mudfly is always talking about how like oh you know these crazy theories about you know like there's dragons and just has a very dark obsession with this man and taking him down so they actually try to sink the ship and it ends up not working and actually um, a whale brings them to the island and they are saved and um, there's a scene where Chi Chi, the, the ape, he's very, very timid and scared. He's easily scared by the people. He has an opportunity to um, protect slash save Doolittle when he like falls off the ship, but he can't. He's too scared. And um, he ends up being saved anyway, obviously. Um, but Chi Chi has a moment where he's like, I couldn't do it. I failed you. And it's really sad. You know, this large 
aggressive looking ape is actually, you know, too scared and too timid to, to be brave and to, I don't know, help him out, I guess. Um, they finally reached the island where Lily was born, which I forget when they mentioned that, but this is where she came from. And do they ever really explain like why she went on the voyage at all? Now that she was trying to find um, the tree in Eden, um, the fruit. Was there? I don't know why. Yeah. Do they ever explain why? Like, Mm -mm. hmm. not that I can remember though. I thought it was interesting that she, because she kept saying, oh, I need to go on this voyage alone. Interesting. They don't really explain that. A little bit of a hole in the story, but never mind. So, uh, yeah, they reached the island. Their plan is to steal her journal. It was the only thing that um, was recovered after her death, but uh, is in, it is in the hands of her father, who is King Rasuli, who is uh, the king of the pirates. And you learn very quickly that he never approved of Doolittle. He thinks that he is crazy, and he's the reason that his daughter is dead. So he wants nothing to do with him. In fact, he wants him. He like banished him from the island, and him coming back is basically asking for death. Um, so he's captured um, when they try to get the journal, which uh, the journal has like the directions, the map to the tree. That's why they wanted to steal it. Um, but he is captured and he is thrown in a cage with Barry, who is this just very moody tiger who, um, I'm, I, I don't know, I think he's sick in some way, um, but he starts fighting with Doolittle, trying to eat him and trying to attack him. And um, then uh, a bunch of, I think it's the polar bear, um, or yeah, what is his name? Yoshi and Chi-Chi and maybe Polly. I don't know if they all end up kind of breaking him out of there and Chi Chi actually uh fights the tiger and you know he's brave and so they they rescue him and they escape. Um but they they don't end up getting the journal unfortunately. Mudfly has it and he um destroys their boat so they're unable to go to the island. And what's his reasoning to go? Is it they does he just want to be the savior or like is there supposed to be like treasure at the island like why does he want the journal i don't know i think that just everybody wants to prove that this place exists and that it's real he wants to have the fame for that maybe yes or yeah maybe he just hates Doolittle so much that he just wants to thwart his plans i don't know but he runs off with the journal and there's a moment where Doolittle's like, okay, everyone gather around. And they're all like waiting for a pep talk. And he's like, all right, we're done. We, we failed. And he just plans to just set up shop on the island. And it's actually um, Rasuli who kind of hears him, you know, lamenting and talking about, oh, it's all my fault that Lily's gone. And I just wanted to finish what she started. And, you know, I failed her and I failed all of you. And hearing that, um, Rasuli has a change of heart. And, um, he says, you know, every fiber in my being wants to murder you, but, you know, I love my daughter more than my desire to kill you, so take my boat. And so he's like, all right. So they all go um, and um, are trailing behind Mudfly, and they arrive to the island, the mysterious island. And this is where they meet Ginkgo, who soars, who is an actual dragon who is guarding the tree. And Ginkgo attacks Mudfly's crew. Some of them she burns, some of them she eats, and Mudfly actually like falls down a hole. Um, but then she collapses because she's in pain. 
and um, Doolittle and, and the gang arrive and he's trying to figure out what causes her pain and it's some blockage, I guess, is the best way like to put it. blockage. Yeah, so pretty much she ate too much metal on the uh, of, of the men, I guess, and so she <laughs> like has a shields and stuff. She has a blockage, if you will. And so there's a very uh, interesting scene where they're removing the blockage from her. And uh, anyway, so she's fine. And um, to show her gratitude, she shows them the tree and they get the fruit and they get back to England just in time before the queen's about to die. And um, they, they give her the anecdote. She is saved. And the walking stick who was left behind reveals the truth that Lord Thomas Badgley, one of the queen's chairmen, poisoned her so he could take the throne for himself. And he was the one who ordered Mudfly to fail Doolittle's quest um, because he saw it as an opportunity to finally beat him. There you go. And uh, the queen has him arrested and banished and she thanks Doolittle and uh, Stubbins for all that they did to help her. And then the movie ends with uh, Doolittle reopening his practice, reopens the doors to his sanctuary with uh, Tommy as his apprentice. And that's the movie. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. Um, Nina, what what do you think of this one? I, I th- and I think I talked about this maybe before. Um, I tried to go into this movie and not comparing it to the one from the nineties with Eddie Murphy. Um, cause it's just not anything like that movie. Um, uh-huh. it is so colorful. It's beautiful. Um, the animation is really cool. Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I, yeah, I will say it's visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Some of the CGI is a little bit too much CGI for me, but I mean, what are you going to do? You can't really, well, I guess you can. Well, no, I don't know. I feel like with this type of story, it would have been really hard to just, you know, do it old school and have real animals with their mouths being moved by animation. I'm always really impressed by when I think about CGI and how that must be so weird for the actors when everything around them is digitized and they just have to act like it's real. I just can't imagine. Did you ever see um, the Jungle Book remake? No, I didn't see that one. That I I loved. I did love that remake, but it was so like I've seen like behind the scenes clips of, of the little boy who plays Mowgli literally just like acting along with nothing like how hard that must have been for exactly. that kid i always to... just think that it's so cool to think that so many things like in the scene are not real it's true that that is i would say an impressive feat for for an actor to spend almost an entire movie in this case it's you know two actors a majority of the time and then sometimes a few other people um, but primarily acting alongside nothing. I mean, green screens. And again, with the jungle book, I saw a clip of like hands, like human hands with little eyeballs on them, like hopping around. And like, that was something he was supposed to act alongside. And it's so strange, very <laughs> strange, but definitely, you know, interesting as far as just how we've come in movie making and what we're able to do. I mean, you know, the live, the live action in quotes, uh, Lion King is all CGI. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obviously not real lions, but it looks pretty real. You know, that's something we wouldn't have been able to do, you know, 
10, 15 years ago. And now we can, we have the technology, we have the skill to do that. Um, in my opinion though, with this movie, it, like, yes, it was beautiful, but I just, I wish there was a little bit more realism to it. I mean, I know that sounds silly with given the premise of this movie. <laughs> I wanted it to be more realistic, but um, I don't know. Just there, there's a bit too much CGI, I think for me. Yeah, and I also um, recognize that there are some like holes in the plot, like you said earlier. Um, so there are some things that would have wrapped this movie up a little bit better for me, but I, I overall thought it was pretty pretty good. I liked that it was um, definitely like geared towards kids um, and it had a little bit of adult humor in there too, which I like. Yeah. Okay, I'll give it that. Um, I thought it was really cute. It's definitely a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, though, it's not one of the kids movies that is like equally entertaining for adults. Like right. I just, I, I found myself to be a little bored throughout it. Um, but you know what? I'll get, I'll get more into that in my official review. I have some interesting information on the making of this movie, some overall thoughts, and. Yeah, it might be kind of fun to, you know, compare it to, you know, the the source material and just how this is a literally a 100-year-old story that has been remade a number of times and kind of just mm-hmm. compare those. But um, I think it's really, um, like, if you're a little kid watching this movie for the first time and not having seen Dr. Doolittle from the 90s, like, I'm sure that kids would super like this movie. Oh, absolutely. If you have kids, rent it. It's definitely worth it for that, but we'll get into all of that. But first, let's talk about what else we're watching. Okay, so I've actually been watching a lot. Um, I did watch, um, I just want to talk about this briefly. I did watch, um, I, well, I did finish Hollywood on Netflix it was okay. It was, I, that's all I'll say. If you are a fan of Ryan Murphy, who created Glee and American Horror Story, I think you will enjoy it. It's got some, you know, stunning visuals. Like he, he's always great with, you know, costume and set design and just the story is interesting enough, but it was almost a little bit too, too much going on for me. Just a little hard to follow at times, but you know, that's just the way it is. But I do want to talk about, because last week, last Friday, Dead to Me season two was released on Netflix and I watched all of it. And oh my gosh, you guys, spoilers ahead. If you haven't just skip through this whole section, if you haven't watched it yet and you are interested, but oh my gosh, let's talk about season two. So Nina, you watched it too, right? Yes. It was so good. Um, so it came out last, yeah, last Friday. Um, and we're recording this on Wednesday. So I watched the whole season in, in just a couple days. Um, the episodes for Dead to Me seasons one and two are only 30 minutes a piece and only 10 episodes. So it's a pretty quick watch if you want to get through it quickly. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. There was a lot of stuff that I couldn't really remember what happened in, in season one. So I had to do a little bit of research to remind myself what happened. Um, the recap at the beginning of season two doesn't cover a lot of things that happened in season one. So, um, my husband watched season two with me and he did not watch season one. So he was pretty lost on the relationships between people in the season and just like kind of their backstories. So 
that was really helpful to do that research before watching it. I would recommend that if you can't remember everything that happened in season one. Um, but so many things happen in season two. And it's definitely oh, yeah. set up for season three. So I'm super excited for that. That's the problem with these shows. <clears throat> That's a problem with these shows that you can binge all the episodes at once because by the time the second season comes out, you've forgotten everything Mm -hmm. and you either have to rewatch it or just sit there and be confused until things start to like add up. But, um, I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to rewatch season one. I thought about doing it, but, um, but season two, again, it's so hard with shows that have such a strong season one. You're like, how are they going to live up to this? How are they going to continue the story? And they did not disappoint with season two. So much more happened because, as we remember, Steve, James Marsden is murdered at the end of the first season. And you're like, oh no, he's not going to be in the second season. And I love him. He's wonderful. Mm, and he's, too. he's great in this show. And I was like, oh man, what are we going to do without him? Well, they, you know, answered that call with giving him an identical twin brother named Ben, who shows up, I think at the end of the first episode. And at first I was like, does he have amnesia? And he like came back. What's going on? <laughs> Nope, his his uh, chiropractor twin brother, who is a much nicer, dorkier version of him, and um, he and um, Jen, Christina Applegate, kind of spark a relationship. He's there because he's obviously looking for his missing brother. What happened to Steve? What's going on? We're trying to find out what happened to Steve when we know what happened to Steve. Um, Judy actually starts a relationship with a, um, a woman named Michelle who is surprisingly is roommates with her ex, who is the cop who is on her case about Steve being missing and also about, uh, Jen's husband who was killed because, uh, at the end of season one, Jen told her to arrest her and said she confessed it to me. And so there's all this intertwining stories going on, um, and there's, of course, the inner conflict with uh, with Jen and Ben because she murdered his brother. He doesn't know that. But um, they start to kind of spark a relationship and she has all these moral conflicts. She, her son, Charlie, is, you know, starting to kind of figure stuff out. Um, and he also steals Ben or Steve's car and is driving around in it. And that was funny, too. Um, he goes to pick up his, like, they're not dating with this girl that he's hanging out with um, and just, like, they take pictures and they're like, oh shit, it's Steve's car. And you know, everyone's going to see, you know, that they have this car to a man who's missing. And so she goes to her house and tries to bribe her with cupcakes. And she's like, oh no, I can't take the pictures down because I'm an influencer. <laughs> oh my just, God. It was just there so funny just, to me. Yes. There were a lot of really funny moments in season two that like my only complaint I think about it is that some things were pretty predictable, but I think that, uh, that's also like intentional that it was supposed to be like kind of funny, ironic predictability. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it is dark comedy too. So, I mean, there, there are some very heavy elements to this show, but it's, I wouldn't say it's completely dismissed, you know, it's still like, especially in the first season, you know, Jen losing her husband because he was murdered in a, by, you know, hit and run. Like that's a very heavy subject, but the show is still really funny. And season two is filled with so many wonderful scenes and moments between the characters. And then there's um, kind of, you know, this inner conflict with Jen, because you think that she killed Steve in self-defense, 
but really she killed Steve because he was being an asshole and he was saying shitty things to her and she got mad. And uh, then Judy thinks that it's all her fault. And, but the biggest, the biggest surprise of course is the end. So they finally somehow get away with everything. And um, Judy has all this money in her paintings and they go to buy Charlie Jen's son a car because he's 16 now and they think they're finally in the clear. And also the entire season, Jen's trying to get this stop sign put up at this intersection where she and Charlie almost get in a car accident. And finally, by the end of the show, the stop sign gets put up and they're like, oh, this is because of us. We're so great. And they get hit anyway at the very end by Ben, who was driving drunk because he found out that they found the remains to his brother's body and he's an alcoholic and he was in recovery and goes off, you know, the wagon and is driving drunk and hits Jen and Judy. And that's how the season ends. And you're like, shit, how are we going to go from here? <laughs> there are so many plot points, like so many new plot points in season two, like the relationship that Judy has with her mom who's in prison. Um, the, um, Kathy the money. What? Oh gosh, what? what's her name? Is it Kathy? Oh. Oh, what is her name? She was on Sons of Anarchy. She was also on... Um, uh, married with children with Christina oh, Applegate. Oh, I didn't even make that connection. Katie Seagal. I don't know. I thought Kathy Duvall. <laughs> it rhymes kind of. It does. Um, um, Katie Seagal as uh, Judy's mom was such a fun little cameo. I loved that. Yes. She is really good at playing like a trashy character. <laughs> Which is sad to say, but like her as the mom in Sons of Anarchy is like always the way that I'm going to remember her because it was such a memorable character. But um, yeah, uh, there, there's just like a thousand more plot points now to this story after season two, which I just am super interested in finding out what's going to happen with all these things and answering the questions. I don't know if it's going to be renewed yet. I don't think we have that confirmed, but it oh, definitely should be because it it's been it's fantastic. It is a great show. And I just love, I've always liked Christina Applegate, but she plays such a good bitch. Like, is that a weird yes. thing to say? No, <laughs> I totally agree. She, she, I just kind of she aspire to be that, that way. I know she becomes that character and she's so just like rough around the edges and angry Blunt. and bitter, but she's also so strong and caring mm -hmm. and, you know, a good friend. And most of the time, um, no, I loved it. I was very pleased with season two. So, uh, yeah, recommending everyone give it a watch. And again, like I said, you know, with these shows, especially like Netflix originals, and then they come with the second season and it's a huge letdown was not the case with this season. It right. was definitely just as good, if not maybe a little better, I think. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I love the dynamic between Jen and Judy because they're like complete opposites in their personality. And so I feel like each one of them, I mean, it's just a really good example of real life when, when you have two people that are just very different and they learn from each other. Like Judy learns that little, a little bit of bitchiness from Jen and really just being able to stand up for herself, like, which is what she needs because she's so nice. And Jen kind of takes away the really nice points of Judy um, and tries to kind of shape her life around that too, which I think is kind of like an endearing little like theme of the show yeah and I think you need to have somebody to kind of balance that out like Jen is so hard and harsh and she needs someone sweet like Judy to kind of bring her down when she needs to and 
you know, the same with Judy. She's almost too nice. She reminds me a lot of a girl I went to college with that is just like has a heart of gold and is so sweet, but sometimes gives too much of herself. And that is who Judy is. And so she, she even, I think learns from maybe it's Jen or maybe it's somebody else how, you know, she needs to, I think it's Michelle. She needs to say no more. And Mm -hmm. her mom is like, you know, she hasn't seen her mom in like 15 years. She's in prison. She goes to see her mom and, uh, her mom is asking her to help get money for a good lawyer so she can get out on parole. And you can tell right away how she's, you know, manipulating her daughter. And she says, no, like, I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not going to help you get out of prison. You're here for a reason. It's the way it is. Um, but, uh, no, great, great, great season. And I'm sad it's already over. Now I'm like, oh, well, now what? No, we watched it too fast. Dang it. That's always the problem. I honestly considered watching it again because, again, it's 30-minute episodes. It's super fast, quick watch. Um, But there's a ton of great stuff coming out. I'm so excited for Space Force um, with Steve Carell. So excited about that. Um, There's something else coming out soon that I was was looking forward to. And Hamilton film. Yes. Oh my, oh my God. God. I'm so excited. You guys, we got a release date for, um, if you haven't heard the original Broadway cast of Hamilton, um, recorded a show. Is it like from, did they do it recently or is it I from? I don't know. Like- I have a lot of questions about it. I'm super anxious for it to come out. I really wish there was a better, I, they like released the teaser trailer, which is like, you know, like just 10 seconds long. <laughs> so I'm anxious to see if they're going to release a longer trailer. Um, I also, I'm sure that you probably did too. I did see it live when it came to Omaha last year. Did you go? No. I didn't. No. <gasps> oh my God. It was so good. I know. That's oh. what I heard. And it's, it, I love Lin-Manuel Miranda so much. I think he is just a gem of a human and so talented. Mm-hmm. I have never seen Hamilton. So I'm ex- And that's the thing is like, I'm so excited for the opportunity, even if it's on my TV, I know it's not live. And that's like, yeah. are you a big fan of musicals, Nina? Or I plays? am. So I am. Yeah. So me too. And there is nothing like live theater. There's nothing like it. It's like a concert, but a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess that's kind of an oxymoron to say it's the same, but different, but you, you get what I mean. And it's not only an amazing experience, but it's a privilege because musical theater is so it's expensive to go to the shows. Not all of them come to your state unless you live in New York city and you, you know, I don't know, have season passes or something. It's probably hard for you to see these shows. And mm-hmm. there's so many that I've always wanted to see. And I was super disappointed. Um, in March, I was supposed to go see Dear Evan Hansen, which is a fantastic musical, but it of course got canceled. And, and see, it- I didn't buy tickets to that because we splurged to see Hamilton. And so when Dear Evan Hansen came, I was like, oh God, I can't spend that much money to go see another musical. We just saw one. Mm-hmm. I was, I was so bummed about that. Maybe it'll be back one day, but, um, but that's why I was so excited about this Hamilton. It's going to be on D- Disney Plus July 3rd is when it's going to start streaming. So we, I don't know, should we talk about it? Maybe we should talk about it. We should, we definitely should. But um, okay. I wish, I wish more musicals did this. You know, I wish more shows took this opportunity. I don't care if I have to pay for a streaming service. I don't care if I have to pay 20, 30 bucks to see it. I would do it. I would pay to see recordings live recordings of more musicals so especially with the original cast like can you imagine like seeing original cast wicked i would die all all we got is youtube and it's horrible quality but um we're like 
Oh, like I have um, the, it's like um, the final Broadway cast in quotes because it did get a revival of Rent from 2008. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. However, I would love to see the original live recording of that show. Did they the have the same, um, like any of the same cast members? No. So have you seen the movie? Mm-hmm. The movie is like 80% of the original cast. So like yeah. Emma Zell, Adam Pascal. I wish that they were recording all of the original cast for us. I'm just really curious to see like for Hamilton, is it going to be like in front of an audience or also these people haven't done like the stage, this cast hasn't done this performance on stage in a while. I don't know. There are a lot of questions to be answered, but Broadway, you need to do more of this. Especially Agree. like if I if I could see Dear Evan Hansen with Ben Platt, Brat Pratt, Ben Platt, I would die because he is so amazing. Mm-hmm. So they should do more of these. But I'm excited again. That is July 3rd, and we'll talk more about it when we get closer and get some more information. But definitely, uh, did I say it's on Disney Plus? It's on yes. Disney Plus. Um, look out for that in July. But um, for now, that's what else we're watching. All right, everybody, welcome back to our review of Doolittle. So I have some interesting information on the making of this movie. Of course, Robert Downey Jr. is our star. He was actually announced to star in the film in 2017. It was filmed in 2018, but it underwent 21 days of reshoots in April of 2019 following poor test screenings. I wonder what scenes they did. What does that mean? They must have had a test screening and the audience didn't like it. What? I don't know. And so they happened a lot. Okay, so I don't know uh, a whole lot about production. Um, you've seen Dodgeball, right? Yeah. So the original ending, Average Joe's was supposed to lose, and it just ended. They 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 lose, and that's that's it. And they tested that ending, and people were pissed. How do you get picked to be in a test screening audience? I don't know, but sign me up because I would love to be a test audience member. I would give you all my opinions. Did they do that with all movies? Um, I, I think so. Maybe. Hmm. Do we have any production people out there? Is this true? Do they just, I would assume for all movies or at least, you know, major productions, I would assume. Um, I wonder but yeah. if it's just like certain things that they, I mean, it's just surprising to me that if they do test screenings and then they redo parts of the movie, then why are there still such bad movies? <laughs> you know, why do movies get bad reviews? like this one when (laughs) they could have just redone it you know i guess entertainment is subjective and some people are gonna love it not everyone's gonna like your movie true true so i i don't know but uh after well actually during all of this um there were some rewrites and there was some like uh i wouldn't say power struggle um between like directors and writers but there's definitely a lot of hands on deck um, when they're kind of like reshaping this movie and during all of that universal actually turned towards Seth Rogen and neighbors co-writer Brendan O'Brien to help make the film funnier. However, neither of them could remain committed to the project and dropped out. What? Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised by that. Interesting. Um, and the film was originally called the voyage of Dr. Doolittle, which is actually the title of the second novel, but they changed it to just Doolittle. 
Um, the film was originally going to be released in May of 2019, um, but it was moved to um, April, a month earlier, to avoid competition with um, Rise of the Skywalker. But then that movie was moved to December. So then the film was moved again to 20- January of 2020. So there were a lot of issues with the making and the release of this movie. I feel like maybe that was a sign. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, it grossed $77 million in the United States and Canada, $146.3 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $223.3 million against a production budget of $175 million. Due to its high production and marketing costs, the film needed to gross around $500 million in order to break even. Following its debut weekend, it was estimated the film would lose Universal between $50 to $100 million. So it was a flop and did not earn enough money to break even. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of only 15%. The consensus reads, Doolittle may be enough to entertain very young viewers, but they deserve better than this rape, this rote adaptation's jumbled story and stale humor. Ouch. Oh I'm reading some of these critical responses, and it's just so mean. I really didn't think it was that bad. You know, I... Unfortunately, Rich had to go and tell me that it was bad and he hasn't even seen it. It's just, you know, what he's heard. And when you hear a movie is bad, you're going to have that in the back of your mind when you're watching it. And I tried to, you know, be like, keep an open mind. You know, I don't want to let somebody else's opinion change the way I see this movie, but I'm sorry, guys. I just didn't really like it. I, I didn't hate it. I mean, there were definitely worse films that I've sat through, but it was it's a cute story and it's not, it's not the story itself. It's just, I didn't like the way it was executed. I thought, I didn't think it was very funny. I didn't think the story was, I didn't think the story was very well written. I I don't know. It just. I'm reading on here that British film critic, Mark Kermode gave the film a negative review saying terrible script, terrible visuals, dull plot, dismal gags. The fact that it was at 101 minutes really tested one's patience. It's shockingly poor. Ooh, <laughs> just like that's so me. Tough, tough break there. I do I do have some questions though? Honestly, like Robert Downey Jr. is not British. They really couldn't have. I love him, but they really couldn't have picked a British actor for a yeah. British set film. Yeah. Also, Stubbins Stub- says "crikey" at one point. I was like, <laughs> "That's Australian." <laughs> what? Where are we? What is happening? <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess, I, and I assume that the whole, like, the book is probably set in, in... It's called, England? like, Pudley, mm-hmm. some British town. Okay, yes, so... It is based in, in, in Britain. I just don't see why they couldn't... None of these actors are British. Antonio Banderas is not British. Antonio Banderas is a uh, Latino, and yeah. they kind of whitewashed him, which is why I found him unrecognizable. That's offensive. It is. He lives on an island. Like what? This movie is a. He can be tan. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) I don't understand. Tan. He lives on an island. He's always in the sun. Right. Uh, I don't understand. Well, like Emma Thompson and like Tom Holland are British, and I think that's it as far as the cast goes. I don't know. The animals can be any ethnicity or country of origin that they want to be. I guess. True. Uh, no, it let's real quick. So again, we were both nineties kids. We grew up with the nineties. Do little, did you ever see the 1967 film? 
No, I didn't even know that existed. I did know that it was based on books, but I did not know that there was another film. So yes, um, there was an original film that I guess was also poorly received, but became a cult classic. Um, never seen that one, but I knew that I knew that um, Eddie Murphy Doolittle was not the original. However, um, that film, I think I actually recently rewatched it because I think it's on Disney Plus. Um, you know, it's I think it still holds up okay. There's definitely some some dated humor, which is always going to happen, but it still funny and you know any Murphy's great he did a wonderful job and that movie is completely different from this one I mean this one is actually more true to the story itself like you know the one that we know is a guy in San Francisco and didn't even want to talk to animals he was like repressed into talking to animals because of an experience with his dog and they even tried to like exercise him I mean it's definitely a very different adaptation of the story Maybe the story is just, I mean, true to the book and, and maybe the book's just... Maybe the books are lame as well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't saying. know. I haven't read them. So I don't know. Maybe they were trying to just do something that was more true to the book. I would say, again, it's not a bad story. It's just, it wasn't, it could have been more. It could have been more adventurous. It could have been more, I just thought the story was kind of hard to follow at times. It was a little lazy. It wasn't very funny. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to shit all over this movie, but I just, it wasn't really what I was expecting, but, um, you know, it's, 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 for me, it's one of those things where it's like, did we need it? Maybe not, but is it something that you could watch and maybe get a chuckle out of it and enjoy with your kids? Sure. I mean, there's tons of movies like that out there. Maybe, I agree with that. maybe one of your kids will want to watch it. And it's not something that it's not, you know, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is really hard for me to watch. This would not be something that would be really hard for me to watch with my kid. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we probably didn't need it. No, I mean, there's a America lot. America didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a ton of remakes out there that I'm just kind of like, did we need it? No, this is definitely one of them. Um, what is like a really good remake that you can think of? I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I did think the It remake was really good. Oh, I did not watch that. Uh, no, I don't. I, you you would not enjoy it. It's nope. Very, it's very nope. spooky. Um, let's see. What else? Well, if that tells you anything, there's not a lot of them because I couldn't even think of one other than that. <laughs> um, uh, shoot. Mm. Yeah, no, remakes tend to not be very good or reboots. So maybe... Maybe Hollywood, the next time you think about rebooting something or, re- or uh, making a very, very old sequel, or that's not the right word, or waiting several years to make a sequel, like with Anchorman, maybe just don't. And yeah. Come up with something new. Like Super Troopers. That, that We didn't need it. On that note, let's get into our final review of Doolittle. You know, I think I'm going to have to give it a 2.5 out of 5. Um, for Ouch. me, yeah, not, not, uh, I'm, yeah, 50 50. I liked it kind of, but didn't. Uh, not a terrible film. It just wasn't for me. It's definitely a kid's film that will probably only entertain kids. Was not a necessary reboot. It was not a necessary reboot. Um, there's a lot of good there. There's some great voice actors. Um, some of the visuals are good. Um, the CGI is really good. Um, 
a decent story that just could have been better executed. Um, not nearly enough adventure. And for me, it was just kind of boring. It was just kind of hard to get through. It wasn't my cup of tea, but not a horrible film. So there you go. 2.5 out of five. I would agree with a lot of those points. I think I would give it a three out of five because I did like it more than I didn't like it. Though, honestly, my expectations were super low when I was watching it. So because I'd heard bad things, but I was like, you know, maybe it's better than people say. So I just kept my expectations for it low and I liked it more than I didn't. Um, But I would agree with all of your points, really. It's definitely more of a kid's film. I don't know how long it'll how long it'll really hold up. Even Um, we, we probably did not need it, though. It's nice to see Robert Downey Jr. doing something different than Iron Man. So I kind of appreciated that. Um, I am just always a pretty big fan of CGI. Just the the fact that it is just so impressive. Um, So there's that. But yeah, I think that if you you, uh, keep your expectations low, then you might like it more than not. (laughs) That's kind of sad to say. What was your official review? Was it three out of five? Yeah, three out of five. All right. Fair. Um, but yeah, guys, that was Doolittle. Again, it's available for rent. It might be available streaming somewhere sometime soon, but for now you can rent it. Um, I rented mine on uh, Apple TV for, I think it was like five bucks for a two day rental. Um, so I mean, not that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely watch with kids cause they'll get a kick out of it. You know, kids love a good fart joke and talking animals. So there you go. Um, but, uh, next week we have, um, another great show and, um, pretty soon we'll be into June. We have some great stuff coming out that we're really excited to watch and talk about, but you guys, as always, if there's anything out there that you are watching that you really enjoyed, let us know. We are willing to add anything (laughs) to our list. Um, even something that only has a 15% approval, but that's okay. Um, as always, again, thank you to all of our healthcare professionals for everything that you are doing during this crazy time. You guys are doing the most and we appreciate you. And we hope that this podcast, if at all, gives you a little sense of normalcy and a little relaxation from the crazy world. Maybe, maybe you should watch this movie and watch a bunch of talking animals instead of thinking about what's really going on out there. I think honestly, that's probably one of the reasons why I did like it. Um, that it's just like an alternate reality. That's not anything to do with what's happening right now. Absolutely. Just, just dive right into the, to the CGI alternate universe, I guess. Uh, well, that's it for us today, guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, keep on streaming. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.